Well, well, like I guess from my perspective, there there are multiple things happening at at, at different levels, and I, I think women particularly are are skilled at processing information um, in multiple ways simultaneously. So one, I think, um, you know, I think most women are caretakers, you know, whether or not they birth the child or not. Um, and so, you know, the, the desire or because I think women are generally socialized to to see ourselves as as, as an extension of those we care for and love. Um and we're and we're, we are continually rewarded for that. Um, I think from from young girls like taking care of baby dolls to you know as adults we take care of our parents, we take care of our coworkers, we take care of our bosses, we take care of of lots of people. And so, you know, I, I think that desire to um, extend that caretaking to to a child, um, whether it's by birth or foster or adoption. Um, is a natural course. And I, I guess my belief is that women don't make, generally don't make those calculations like, well, I have a lot of debt, therefore I will not have a baby. I think there are lots of women who do, but I also think caretaking and, and loving and extending ourselves beyond our village, um, is both a, a rewarding thing and it's something we are rewarded for, um, socially and culturally. I think we are not rewarded for it in terms of economics because if you look at where women's money goes, most of our money is not spent on ourselves. <laughs> um, I think most women who are in caretaking positions, um, and I, and, and I want to be broad about that because I think they're, you know, I think we focus on kind of giving birth, but there are lots of women who care for people um, economically and financially and socioculturally. Um, and, and I don't want to make those women invisible, you know, but I think our money generally is not for ourselves, right? So like every dollar that I make, um, I, I have to make the decision whether or not, you know, whether it's for me, for the household or for the baby, <laughs> you know, that means two out of three of those decisions. It's, it's, it's for me indirectly, but it doesn't go towards me, you know? Um, and so I guess in some respects, I, I see myself as radical only because I know that capitalism and, and the way labor markets work whether or not I choose to care for others, I still will be underpaid as a woman. I still will be underpaid as a black woman. I still um, will feel, you know, the, the gravitas of, of of the fact that I am in a workforce that undervalues me. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I don't. So in some respects, it's kind of to be frank, it's like, fuck it. I might as well live my life and be happy um, and have the things that I want. And relationally, if I know that I'm always going to be underpaid and undervalued in the workforce in some level. Um, so, so th there's, th there's that, that piece of it, I think. And, you know, and then, you know, it, it, some days that is incredibly rewarding and satisfying. And then other days it is, uh, infuriating. Um, I just moved um, to New Jersey. And so um, I had to go through the process of moving and setting up utilities, you know, and in and, and small things like PSEG, which is the uh, electrical utility company, you know, when you open a new account in New Jersey, they require you to put down a deposit. Um, 
So, like, you know, I don't know if you know, but utility bills are are a huge burden um, for poor working class um, people. Um, and utility bills really can get people into tremendous amounts of debt, um, not only here in New Jersey, but across the country. And so, you know, something like opening a, a utility bill. Um, you know, so that my, my son and I can have electricity and heat, right? Um, and them starting me with a $300, uh, deposit, um, essentially a debt, right? They start me with a debt. So, you know, out of fear that I, I won't be able to pay a debt, but you can't start people in the hole and, you know what I mean? And then continue to pe- penalize them for being working class or middle class or poor. Um, and so those are the moments when, when the fact that I am I am underpaid as a, as a faculty member and as a writer, um, as and as an artist, I really feel that crunch um, as a mother who now has to pay off a debt to a utility company, a deposit that I'll probably never see back. You know. When when you said fuck it, you 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 mentioned that you know I understand that as a woman that as a black woman I'm going to get a disadvantage no matter what. So. You know, I might as well live this kind of life that I want. Is, is, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess for me, I think about it like, I don't, I don't know if the like fuck it moment came quickly. I think from, I think it's in, it's incredibly um, personal. You know, um, to, it takes a lot of a lot of personal work a lot of courage, um, a lot of education, a lot of being um, around people who support that, you know, ideology. You know, you know, I, I guess for me, I don't, I don't view, view debt. Um, you know, I don't, I don't view it as a moral issue. You know, I've read a lot of David Graeber's work and, I'm I'm just not convinced that labor systems and in capitalism is here for me. <laughs> um I, I I'm not convinced that those systems are are systems that are here to do anything other than other than to exploit me. So I mean I I I don't see myself as like winning like if if there's a a race between like man and machine like I'm we're not going to win. Um, and so I guess I also believe, you know, out of that fuck it really is my values, right? I also believe that being reconnected to our bodies and reconnected to our friends and our family members and reconnected um, to ourselves, uh, I would even go as far as to say spiritually, those those really are the strongest um, uh kind of powers and momentum to 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 move against all the ways that I think we are oppressed anyway. Okay. So other than like being out in the street and 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 protesting which I'm also very supportive of, the next best thing that I can do is have meaningful connections with other humans um in ways that rehumanize my body. You know, whether that is singing or dancing or fellowship or loving or making love or raising a family, whatever I can do to rehumanize myself in a world that is constantly dehumanizing me for me is, is, is a some sort of liberation, you know? So, you know, therefore, fuck it. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but it it really is, I think, other than being out in the streets, which is I also think is incredibly important, the next thing is is really about reconnecting with our bodies and our community and our families. Um, there's nothing more rewarding. Um, well, I guess first, first, I think it's important for me just to articulate that I am I'm cautious about labeling things as kind of small thinking. Um, I'm, I'm cautious about that because I think I think it's very easy for people who consider themselves to be liberal or progressive or spiritual or whatever it is to to deem themselves more righteous than they are. Um, and I, and I, for me, that's it, that's really important, a really important distinction. You know, I just mentioned that I, I um, it, it's so yeah. It, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I do want to clarify when I say that I don't think it's small thinking. I'm actually thinking about the distinction between big ideas, which is really what you're talking. You're, these are big ideas, and the society does not embrace those ideas. And really, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not. Uh, I just I, w- I want to clarify it as well. What I noticed is that you know when we talk about big ideas, what you're saying here is you know I I'm not convinced that our labor system and capitalism is here for me. It's a really big radical idea. Sadly, it's, it's considered radical in our society. But these big ideas are very difficult for people to process. You know, and I, I right. just want to um, make it clear as well. I'm certainly not diminishing um, different points of view. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, no, I agree with you. So, I mean, I guess, okay, so I mentioned that I just, so I lived in Brooklyn. Um, I, I lived in New York. I, I moved there, um, from Boston. And, you know, when I was in New York, I spent a lot of time in kind of like activist and organizer, um, circles, right? And then as we, as we know, like New York is, is, is kind of a shit show, right? In terms of gentrification. And it's, it's, it's almost impossible to live there with a family. Um, and I have, I have a child who I have to care for, right? So there's a point where you also have to just make dollars and sense decisions, right? And so, you know, when I moved to New Jersey, I live in Newark, um, in a, in a predominantly kind of working class black neighborhood. And, you know, at first I was, I, even I was concerned, like maybe like that kind of organizer spirit isn't here. Like maybe people won't get it when I say, you know, um, how much debt I have, or maybe people won't get it when they, when I say like, these are the choices I've made based on values, you know, and I'm going to tell you, like, for the most part, people do get it. They may not have the same kind of like activist, liberal, organizer, progressive language labels that we like to apply to everything. Um, but I'm going to tell you, people do get it. I think working class people get it, poor people get it um, for the most part. And so I think you know, and I, I've, I've said this before, it's really important for people who, you know, kind of are taking these kind of radical stances or have these big ideas to make sure that they are kind of traversing in, in, in different types of spaces. Um, because like, I don't know, I guess I get, I guess I just believe that people do get it. 
Um, it, like it's not it's not the working class and poor people who don't get it when I say like debt sucks and the fact that PSEG puts deposits on people is oppressive. They get it. They might not use the word oppressive. They might just be like, that's really fucked up. Or they might be like, um, it's terrible or like it's it's so heavy. You know, they might use other language, but they get it. They absolutely do get it. Um, I think the people who don't get it um, are are people who still believe that capitalism is here for them. <laughs> and, and I think I think though that mindset exists in every economic um, division. Um, so, yeah, I think one one element that people under underestimate as like one of the greatest barriers to um, organizing um, is 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 both time. And, and I think individualism, I think both of those hurt us in terms of our, our power to organize. Time is incredibly important because how our, how our time is divided up is directly connected to our labor. And so therefore people who um, are most impacted by, um, debt and policies, um, you know, are also deeply entangled in work um, in labor systems where they have no time, where they can't be away, right? They're, like there is no option, right? Um, to be out in the streets, um, without fear of, uh, you know, retribution or, you know, losing their job or just simply losing an hour's pay. That it's, that's an incredible, like, motivator. Um, and I think the second piece is, is really is individualism. It's, it's not seeing, you know, the fact that like, you know, even if you live in Newark, you are directly affected by what's going on at the Whitney Museum, right? Um, even if, um, you know, you don't live in Ferguson, you are directly connected by what's happening between law enforcement and, and young people of color, right? It's, it's that connection where you're like, well, I guess that's somebody else's problem. And I, I think that comes out of our individualism and, and, and comes out of the fact that we don't see ourselves as a part of villages. Um, so yeah, I would say, I would say time and I think individualism, I think, it, those really steal a lot of uh, a lot of potential activists and organizers in communities. Um, At what point do you have? Um, are we going to actually see what needs to happen actually happen? Right. So, so I think it's I think it's incredibly important um, for. I think it's important for people to be able to recognize when there are systems of power that are uh, displacing accountability in ways that are impacting our lives, right? That, that's kind of a big statement, but think about it. When the, the housing crisis happened, right, the, who was accountable? Right. It was really hard to figure out who was accountable. Was it the loan agents? Was it the kind of the brokers? Was it the real estate agent? Was it the banks who were offering subprime loans? We couldn't tell because the, the, they, they distributed, um, their power amongst each other in kind of a rhizome, um, or, or a web so that we actually couldn't tell who was accountable. So anytime you can't see who is accountable, 
for for oppression or results, that's a sign that there, there's systems of power and oppression at play. Um, and it's the same thing with student loans. Right. Right. It's it's this ambiguous thing. Right. In terms of systemically. And the only way we're able to identify it is is through individual borrowers. But actually, there's a lot of people who are involved in student loans. Right. It's policymakers. It's lobbyists who make sure that that um, that, you know, the money is being distributed and people are benefiting from these loans. Right. Like it, it's so the accountability is so webbed out. <laughs> that it's 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 almost an int- untouchable system right now and so i think i think we need to really like kind of crack open the 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 invisibility around the issue and have more conversations and have more dialogues and show people that um both you know on the red and blue side of the political lines these politicians are are benefiting from student loans right that's why student loans can never be abolished even in bankruptcy um you know sally may has paid out lots of money to to republicans and democrats in terms of their elections right so it's like there's so many people who are benefiting from this system and yet the only way we're able to identify it is is through individual borrowers which means the accountability systemically has been distributed and is blurry and is invisible um so that they can continue to benefit from it right like we need to show people that it's not just you because everyone goes home at night and, and is losing sleep and is worried and is putting strains on their relationships because they feel like it's only them but that is not true that is absolutely not true so i guess that's that's how i think about my work and my writing it's really just about reminding people you are not the only one there are thousands of you you know, hundreds of thousands of you who who every night are trying to figure out how we're trying going to make this, you know, the ends meet when the ends are not meeting. So um, for me, that's incredibly important. Um, de-isolating people uh, and then hopefully um, organizing people around, um, put, you know, pushback on policy, on things like, you know, even um, student loan forgiveness is is under threat right now. And that's incredibly important, especially for those of us who work as teachers and faculty in, in human services, um, public service professions. Um, the fact that we may not have loan forgiveness um, and we're already, you know, being paid less than those in the private sector, um, that's it's, it's incredibly important to draw attention to.